0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our sermon text today is from Matthew, the 16th chapter. As we think about Christian education and what to teach our kids and the importance of continuing to teach our children, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, talking about his death on the cross. Suffer from the elders, chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed, and on the third day be raised. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus, turning, said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, and you're not, you're not setting your minds on the things of God, but on the things of man. Dear friends of Christ, you know, have you ever heard about that football player named Roy Regals? Um, in 1929, Rolls Bowl, he made a name for himself. Uh, he played for the Cal the California Bears, and he picked up a Georgia Tech fumble and he started to run. And of course, he ran all the way to the end zone, a 60-yard touchdown. Unfortunately, he ran the wrong way and scored the touchdown for the other team. And because of that mistake, he was nicknamed for the rest of his life wrong way regals. Well, Peter today is going the wrong way. And he tried to talk Jesus out of dying on the cross, and Jesus didn't take that too well. Peter thought he was doing Jesus a favor. He thought he was being kind. He thought he'd get a pack on the back. Remember, just last week, Peter had made the bold confession, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. I know who you are. But this week, we see Peter floundering with all that. He wants to dismiss the cross. He wants to undermine the cross. He wants to make the cross go away, and he took his eyes off the importance of the cross. Our children can do that. You know, we can do that. I wish I could say that I never took my eyes off the cross. I wish my eyes were firmly always entranced there, but they're not. Sometimes I take my eyes off, just as Peter did, and just like I have, you have. One minute we're boldly confessing Jesus as our Lord, God, and Savior, and the next minute we're living like the cross never existed. And there are times where we lose sight of all the blessings that God has given us by dying for us. And so our theme, the cross is important. I want you to think about this past week. If the cross is all that important, how many people did you tell? If the cross is that important, how many opportunities had the Lord placed in your way this past week to tell somebody about Jesus Christ suffering on the cross and His death and and ultimate resurrection? How many? Was it because you... You didn't think about it? Or was it because perhaps you didn't want to deal with it? Or maybe it was too scary and so you decided to stay silent because you were too ashamed? Maybe Satan is having his way with you. Perhaps Satan has diverted your eyes from the importance of the cross. It's so much easier to talk to people about God's beautiful creation, about the sunrise and the sunset and the rains that fall upon our land and how God hears our prayers and how God is always with us and how He never leaves us. And while those are all good things and they're all true, it's not the cross. But the cross, we say under our breath, oh, please, Jesus, don't don't make me talk to my kids about, about the cross. Don't make me talk to my coworkers or people in the community about the cross. About a Savior suffering and dying. It's just too difficult. But Jesus wants you to know the cross is important to teach. And that's what Christian Education Sunday is all about. What are we to teach our kids? Well, teach them about Jesus. Teach them about His suffering and death. I was with my kids this weekend and reminded how children need to be taught during their times of disobedience. They need to be instructed, and parents do a good job of that. And in the midst of all that instruction, and the midst of all that discipline, to bring in Jesus and remind the kids who they are. What would Jesus think about this right now? These aren't mommy's rules. These aren't daddy's rules. Do you believe in Jesus? Is this how we want to represent Jesus? Is this what Jesus would expect of us? Even our children struggle with all that. And, and Jesus wanted his disciples to know how important the cross is. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed, and then on the third day raised to life. And Mark adds, and Jesus said this plainly. There was no question about it. They all knew what he was talking about. Jesus couldn't have made it more clear. The cross is important. He didn't hide what he was about to do. And it had to be unnerving for his disciples to hear Jesus talk about his ultimate suffering and death on the cross and to do it with such joy and almost some kind of satisfaction and and feeling of anticipation. The writer of Hebrews says, For the joy that was set before Jesus, he endured the cross, despising the shame. For the joy. The psalmist says that the Messiah rejoices at the thought of dying for the world to save them. Behold, I have come to do your will, O oh my God. And we see that determination. We also see it in others. Maybe this example of, of human determination will get you to see how Christ must have been thinking as it was time for Him to save the world from sin and death. And surely you remember this example of It helps us better understand Jesus' desire to die so we could live. It happened in the events of 9 11 in 2001. Uh, Todd Beamer was on board the United Airlines flight number 93 when it was hijacked. Of course, all the phones in the plane lit up. And it was their loved ones saying that the two previous planes had flown into the World Trade Center and that the plane that they were on was heading for some kind of Destruction, some kind of important target. Remember those days? It was a third plane, and the third plane didn't hit its target. Why? Because Todd Beamer was talking to his wife in the cell phone, found out what was going on, and he, with the help of others, bravely charged the cockpit and caused the plane to crash somewhere in Pennsylvania. The target was the White House they think or or the nation's capital. The last thing his wife heard him say on the cell phone before he set his phone down to go save lives, let's roll. Can you imagine such bravery being such a hero being willing to die to save so many other lives? That was Jesus attitude let's get this cross thing going i have some work to do i have some people to save let's get it done that's what i came for don't you see the cross is a big deal lift high the cross the love of christ proclaim the love is right there the love is in the cross the love is in the action and jesus was ready to show it and jesus is ready to die but peter wasn't ready for jesus to die The same guy, you know, here you have Jesus, and and, and he's asking, who am I? The same guy, he said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God, now takes Jesus aside, and he says, far be it from you, Lord, for anything like that to happen to you. Listen, Peter loved Jesus, just trying to help him out. He could not handle the thought of watching him suffer and die on a cross. Couldn't deal with that thought. Peter, like many, just simply didn't understand, why is the cross so important? Why does Jesus have to die in this way? And how did Jesus handle Peter's loving response? Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan. You're a hindrance to me. Well, you're not setting your mind on things of God, but you're setting your mind on things of man. You know, what would you think if Jesus talked to you that way? Oh, get behind me, Satan. You're Satan. It, sound like, it sounds like Jesus is calling Peter Satan, calling him the devil, incarnate in flesh. But Jesus is really simply reminding Peter, Satan has taken your eyes off the cross, Peter. And Satan is trying to get you to take my eyes off the cross, too. But it won't work. Get behind me, Satan. Satan did not want Jesus to go to Jerusalem. And so when Peter did not want Jesus to go to Jerusalem either, Peter was playing right into Satan's hand. You know, Luther often talks about The two kinds of devils. You have the black devil. There's only one devil, but sometimes he's the black devil and sometimes he's the white devil. So you have the black devil and the white devil. The black devil is the one who appears and he doesn't hide who he is, he flaunts his darkness, he flaunts his power of death and vengeance and anger. He doesn't hide who he really is. The white devil, well, the white devil's more dangerous. The Bible says the white devil masquerades like an angel of light. He says good things that are wrong. He speaks the truth. Well, he speaks what we think is the truth, but it's really a lie. And we hear the truth, we think, but we've been deceived. And this white Satan, we don't even know that we've been deceived. He's so wily. And Satan knows he can't get you to deny deny Christ. He can't come up to you and say, why don't you just leave Christ behind? He doesn't exist. Quit believing in Him. He knows that doesn't work. So he's far more subtle. Instead, he subtly suggests Instead of focusing so much on Jesus and the cross and his passion and his suffering and death, why don't you focus on yourself? Why don't you focus on how to become a better parent? Why don't you focus on on how to uh, how to feed people, how to get along with people? Focus on self improvement. Focus on that champion in that that champion you have that lives inside. C.S. Lewis talks about the white devil in his book Screw Tape Letters. Screw Tape was a a, da- a demon. And this demon had an apprentice named Wormwood, and he's teaching Wormwood how to destroy the faith of Christians who are well-grounded in their faith. How do you destroy the faith of a well-grounded Christian? He says, well, you don't do it by winning arguments, by trying to convince them God doesn't exist. And he he gives this advice. He tells Wormwood, if you want to destroy Christians... You need to distract them. Get their eyes off the cross. Get their eyes off of Jesus. And and take their focus on their desires or place their focus on something they want or, or something they need or something they'd like to see done. Make them lazy, make them apathetic. Jesus knows the importance of the cross. He knows exactly how easily we're led astray, and that's why he says that we're like sheep without a shepherd. The prophet Isaiah wrote, for we are all like sheep, have gone astray, each turned to his own way, and the Lord has laid on Christ, on him, the iniquity of us all. And Jesus looked at us, he looked at you and he looked at me and he says, you need a savior, you need a shepherd. And then the Good Shepherd comes to guide us, to teach us, to lead us. And through the cross, He leads all His sheep to eternal life. The cross is important. You know, it's said that Christianity has two crosses. Of course, there's the cross of Jesus Christ, the cross on which He suffered and died to redeem and pay the ransom for sin. And then there's a cross that you and I bear. There's a cross that we bear for Christ by Telling others about the cross, sharing our faith with our children, being willing to be a teacher to tell it to the next generation so that they can tell it to the next generation and so that they can tell it to the next generation. By willing to stand up and say what's important in your family, in your home, in your church, and in your community, the second cross is the one the Christians bear. It's how we live for Christ. It's how we speak for Christ. And Jesus expects us to joyfully bear our cross. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses loses his life for my sake will find it. So to illustrate what it means to deny self, I want you to think about a faucet. You You take faucets, and you turn them on, and you turn them off to shut the water on and to shut the water off. And ever since the beginning of, of, of Adam and Eve, when they fell into sin and they ate the fruit, our sin nature has been turned on like a faucet. And it flows. And our sin nature flows and flows and it can't be shut off. And some people think, well, that's not all that bad. Sin isn't all that bad. The sin nature in humanity isn't all that bad, and we can cover up the stench of our sin. Now I want you to think about a cat. Cats are masterful, and if you have a cat as a pet, you understand this natural instinct that's built into them when they make a mess. They cover it up in the, in the cat, kitty litter, or, or they go outside and they cover it up you know, with dirt. And some people think they can do that before God. They can can make a mess and then they can kind of cover it up by doing a a good thing here or or a good thing there. We can make things better. However, the Bible tells us to deny ourselves, to deny our feelings. Scripture says that we have all become like one who is unclean. All our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. You know, humanity thinks that we're basically good. And after all, many people want to stop world hunger. I've never heard anybody, as even the most darkest unbelievers say, it's good for people to starve to death. People think the world's basically good. They really want the world to be a better place. People, even those who live in violence, understand how love changes things. And they would love to see the world filled with random acts of kindness and goodness. Everybody would agree with that. They want everybody to have a job and and make a living and be successful. But what does Jesus say about all that? He says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? If my whole life was filled with good deeds of kindness, I couldn't take away one sin. It wouldn't pay, wouldn't cover one sin. No, deny yourself. Turn to the one who forgives sin. Turn to the one who died on the cross to give you eternal life. That's the only place that that can happen is at the cross. If you could make the world a better place to live, if you could do random acts of kindness to fill the world with jobs for all people, if you could feed the hungry, you still wouldn't be able to keep their souls from perishing in, in, eternal, in the eternal flames of hell they'd still die. Their sin would still condemn them. Do you understand what I'm saying? Feeding the hungry is important. Loving each other is important. But the cross is important. The world's greatest need is not solving world hunger. The world's greatest need is not saving the planet. The world's greatest need is not world peace. The world's greatest need is don't lose your focus on the cross. And because so many have lost their focus, they've lost God's love and salvation in Christ. And that's the message that needs to be preached. And that's the message that needs to be taught to our children, to this generation and to the next. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus into life everlasting. Amen.